Welcome to the Ginghamsburg Podcast. After today's message, take a second to download the Ginghamsburg app. It's the best way to find out about and engage with what's happening at Ginghamsburg. We hope the following message helps you activate your faith and take the next step in your journey with Jesus. Ginghamsburg family, I am so glad that we can be together. For those of you who don't know, I have been battling COVID all week long, and honestly, this is the longest that I've been able to stand up, and so it's been um, actually just uh, frustrating to say the least. And so, brothers and sisters, uh, the reason that I'm sharing this message to you from my kitchen is because this message is so important, so foundational to, to who we are as a faith community, and I didn't want to miss it. So I'm so glad. You may not realize it, uh, those of you at the Tip City campus, but I can see you. So if you just wave, I can totally see you all. There you are. So awesome. And uh, isn't it incredible to have technology uh, together? And I just have to say a huge shout out to our team that has made all of this possible. Uh, what an incredible uh, topic today, freely disagree, because brothers and sisters, I don't know if you've been watching the news lately, if you have been paying attention, but we live in such a divisive culture, and we're not helping each other out. When, we, when it comes to hard conversations, when we play nice, when we decide that, you know, we better not say anything or clam up or uh, say nothing at all costs, avoid hard conversation at all costs. I firmly believe that we, Ginghamsburg, are giving people the tools they need, a new generation of Jesus followers, to have those hard conversations. And so today we're going to lean in. I know you're passionate. I know you're opinionated. I know you're passionately opinionated. So we're going to allow ourselves a little bit of practice. Who could have known that just on the eve of this pandemic, in February of 2020, God knew, that's who, that we would engage in some peacemaking practices that would set the stage for these hard conversations. And because we set the stage, we have practiced, and I believe we're getting pretty good at this stuff. So today, we're going to talk about something real important, food, how we receive, how we choose to eat our food. I know food is vitally important. And as your pastor, I got to know, do you have this stuff right? So here's what I want you to do. I want you to pull out your smartphones. I'm going to do the same. We're all going to open our browsers and go to ginghamsburg.church. That's ginghamsburg.church. And you're going to see this little like uh, poll thing, a little poll tab on the side. You're going to pull that up. It's like three little fingers. That's what it looks like, three little fingers. You're going to pull that up and we're going to go straight to this poll that we're going to be talking about, right? So question number one, we're going to go all the way to the bottom. Question number one, uh, you know, it's football season. So when you are eating your wings, is it best? What's the best part of the wing? Is it the drumette or the wingette? I know that sounds really funny, but those are the actual terms. Drumette or wingette? Put, put your answer in the chat, drama or wing it. I'm totally putting my answer in the chat. Oh my gosh, I can see. Like, oh, oh gosh. Are you serious? 60% of you? <laughs> the wing at? Mm, wrong answer. Anyhow. Oh, and no one boneless for me. Way to be. Way to be. All right. Pineapple on your pizza. Does it belong? Does it not belong? Pineapple? No pineapple. Let's see what you say. 
Oh my goodness. (laughs) 60% of you say no. Okay. I love pineapple on my pizza. Okay. Here, utensils. So we're talking utensils. When you're eating mac and cheese, do you eat it with a fork or a spoon? A fork or a spoon. I know exactly what my children would say. I'm shocked by this. Nearly 75% of you are forking your mac and cheese. (laughs) It's a spoon. It's a spoon. All right. How do you eat your Oreos? Do you eat them like you turn them and you lick the cream feeling and then you put them back together and then you eat them or you just like bite right in? So split them first, cream or whole? Cream or whole? Oh, none of us are patient enough to split them. 66% 66% eat them whole, 66% eat them whole. And here's my favorite. When it comes to glorious pie, because I'm a pie girl, I love me some baked goods. When you're eating this pie, is it a pecan pie or a pecan pie? A pecan pie or a pecan pie? Most of you are eating a pecan pie, a pecan pie. All right. This is super awesome. You know, we are pretty passionate about our food and for good reason. And when we look at these things, we can say to ourselves, okay, okay. Like, so what that you love the wingette over the drumette? I prefer the drumette. It's meteor friends. It's just meteor. And so I can look at you and I can say, you know, I can like you. I can enjoy your presence. We can agree to disagree. You be you. So why is it? that we can't do this when it comes to more pressing issues. When it comes to food, we can just say, hey, we freely disagree. But what about the pressing issues of our day? What's the source of our division? Now, when I look across the landscape, I realize we're passionately opinionated about a lot of things, like our sports teams. I hope many of you are cheering for the Super Bowl and you're going to be cheering for the Cincinnati Bengals. Who day, right? Who day? But maybe not. Maybe you have another team that you wish was in the Super Bowl. There's others of you who voted different ways in different elections. Sometimes you're, you're blue or sometimes you're red or sometimes you're green or whatever color that you associate yourself with. And the more that we dig down into these things, the more like heated they get. So what if we did a different poll? We're not going to exactly do this poll, but what if I ask you Fox News or MSNBC? What if I said vaccine or no vaccine? What if I said peacefully protest or no protest? What about mask or no mask? Now, suddenly it's not so much fun, right? Suddenly we're not like on our smartphones thinking, what are people going to say? Well, maybe we are and we're just trying to measure up the neighbor next to us. But if we're honest with ourselves, if we get into our bodies, suddenly we realize like, I'm getting a little tense. Maybe we're looking around a little bit at the people around us. I wonder what they're voting for our fists kind of begin to clench. Maybe we even clench our teeth. There's this like fight or flight response that wells up inside of us. Friends, what is that? What is the source of our division? Fear. It's fear. 
fear that I might be called out, fear that I'm different from the people around me, fear that if you disagree with me, maybe just maybe that will change my entire family dynamic. It is fear and it is pumped into our culture every single day. I don't care what talking head you listen to, what news pundit, it doesn't matter. Fear is the currency of our culture. But the Bible tells us over and over again, God declares, do not be afraid. Take courage. Do not have fear. So why is it? We're so afraid. Brothers and sisters, I believe that Jesus himself is inviting us to live a different way. I believe there is a new way to be human. And Jesus calls it the kingdom of God. And so this morning, I want to invite you to open up your Bibles and your Bible apps and turn with me to the fifth chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. Now, we're going to be camping out in Matthew chapters 5 through 7. They're commonly known as the Sermon on the Mount. And so Jesus is preaching this message kind of like on a mountainside, and there's a parallel here. Jesus teaching on the mountain and and Moses back in the book of Exodus teaching on Mount Sinai, the Ten Commandments. The gospel writer Matthew is wanting us to make this connection to say, here is the new Moses. Here is the new way. Not because we're supposed to like get a whole new law, but rather Jesus is interpreting that law, helping us to see and all God's people and all of creation, what we could not see ourselves. This is a new way to live. So let's look together at Matthew chapter five, beginning with verse three. Church, you with me? Yeah, you are. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who thirst and hunger for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who persecute you because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Blessed. Now, brothers and sisters, when we read through this list, we think to ourselves, wait a second, Jesus, this is a messed up list. What do you mean blessed are those who mourn and who are persecuted? I mean, if anything, the more that you read this list, the more depressed it becomes. And yet Jesus is pointing to what we understand as the great reversal. Say that with me, Jesus's great reversal. This is a picture of the kingdom of God, God's justice and reign coming from heaven and earth from heaven to earth. It's not exactly fully here yet. I mean, when we think about those who are mourning, who are grieving, and let me say, brothers and sisters, in the last two years, we've had a lot to grieve and a lot to mourn. And so when we think about that, we're like, wait a second. These folks aren't blessed. And yet with every affirmation, there is a coming future promise. Blessed are the mourn those who mourn, for they will be comforted. 
God is going to be your comforter. And so maybe whether you're online or in the room, you're feeling like you can't take any more grief. God promises to be your comfort. Jesus is taking all of these things that these seemingly bad things, these seemingly things that make you an outsider on the margin, the oppressed. And he's saying, wait a second. God sees you. God is mindful of you. God is turning things inside out and upside down. So what? You don't have the power and privilege. So what? You're not going to be known for your gender or your racial status or, or your social economic status. No, God is saying to you that God is, is bringing light to places that were filled with darkness. That God is bringing joy to the morning. That God is turning things inside out inside out and upside down. And everyone is invited to God's table. There is no economic, racial, gender, political status that can get you an in to God's kingdom. In fact, it's quite the opposite. This kingdom stands in stark contrast to the power of the Roman Empire. It stands in stark contrast to the perfectionism of the religious elitists. This is God's great reversal. What had seemed powerful wasn't. And I know, brothers and sisters, sometimes when we hear this news, it makes us a little uncomfortable. We're like, wait a second, Jesus, that's not exactly what I signed up for. And yet, yet God is saying to us, open your ears and your heart to what I'm getting ready to do. Because Jesus is pointing us to a different way, a way of living, of being a bridge of experiencing God's kingdom from heaven right here, right now on earth. Jesus is inviting us into this great reversal. You know, sometimes when I'm studying for these messages, I run across all kinds of resources and books that just like light up my soul. And one of them that I ran across when I was studying the Sermon on the Mount was Richard Rohr's Jesus's plan for a whole new world. This one is absolutely awesome. And when he talks about um, Jesus's invitation, particularly that invitation to see God's kingdom come from heaven to earth, when he talks about Jesus becoming that bridge, this is what he has to say. Listen to these words. Bridge builders, including Jesus, usually start building a bridge from one side. You can't build a bridge from the middle, as even an engineer will tell you. And I know I got some engineers listening today. You must choose a starting point. And what the gospel is saying, pure and simple, is that wherever you're going to start building your bridge, you better start from the side of the powerlessness, not power. Because if you start on the side of power, you will stay there forever. You really won't build any bridges. Man, isn't that true? If we start on the side of power, we won't build any bridges. That's what Jesus is sharing with us. And these that are known as the Beatitudes. We've got to start on the side of the powerless. That's why Jesus says to us in verse 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Jesus challenges us to be peacemakers, not peacekeepers. 
Not people who just, you know, say nothing, not folk who passively, aggressively control everything, but rather peacemakers, those who lean into the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, who see God at work in the most devastated of places, who get our hands and feet dirty for the sake of the kingdom of God. Brothers and sisters, this peacemaking work is challenging work. It is not for the faint of heart. And Jesus is asking us to be peacemakers in our church, in our homes, in our community, and around the world. So how do we do it? I'm so glad you asked. Back in 2020, we adopted these peacemaking practices from National Community Church in Washington, D.C., a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church just filled with folks from both sides of the political aisle worshiping together in unity because they know that their allegiance is to Jesus first and foremost. So brothers and sisters, when I look at these peacemaking practices, I realized that they bubbled out of the youth group. That's right. It was the next generation that had these in their minds and hearts. God used this next generation to shape their faith community and ours. And I love that. I love that because I know God is going to use this next generation to do some incredible work for the kingdom, not just in the future, right here, right now. And we've embraced these practices. They've shaped the way that we've talked to one another. They've shaped every single political crisis that we've been through. They've shaped the way that we've navigated racial rifts. They've been an anchor for us to be the kind of people that we believe that we are called to be. Brothers and sisters, we believe we are called to live as peacemakers. So what are they? Well, first, first peacemaking practice, ask anything. Say that with me, ask anything. Ask anything. You know, a lot of times when we engage in these hard conversations, either we clam up or we prepare to fight. It is the silent treatment or an argument. But what if? What if instead of readying ourselves for an argument, we just asked really vulnerable questions? Jesus said it this way, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For anyone who receives, asks, receives it. And anyone who seeks, finds And the one who knocks, the door will be open. Ask and keep asking. Now, this isn't permission to ask leading questions or to put people in a trap. This is permission to ask those questions that sometimes are going to seem silly. You just don't know. If we create a culture of trust and vulnerability, people will be able to ask their questions. Now, if the God of the universe is big enough for us to ask any question, why can't we ask one another any question? Back to that F word, fear. We're afraid that will sound silly. We're afraid that that people will misunderstand us. We are afraid that people will be mean. And remember, I said last week, it's a guarantee. Human beings are going to be mean. Humans are human. But if we create that culture of vulnerability and trust, I'm going to listen to your question. I'm not going to take it personal. I'm going to create space for you to ask and keep asking. We might just become the kind of community that God is calling us to be. Ask anything, anything, anything. Makes the second principle, the second practice way more palatable. 
Second, listen well. Say that with me. Listen well. You know, this one doesn't necessarily come natural for most of us. Talking, sharing our opinions, being keyboard warriors, that's natural. Listening, not so much. But there is a reason that God gave us two ears and one mouth. We're called to listen well. Proverbs 1.5 5 says, let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance. So yeah, listening doesn't always come naturally. So what is it that you do to help yourself listen? Maybe it means like putting down your smartphone or turning out any like extra noise. For me, when I try to listen to someone, well, I take notes. You may notice that when other preachers are preaching, um, I'm in the front row and I'm taking notes because note-taking helps me Listen well, it helps me to focus. What, what's the trick for you? What is it that helps you engage in conversation? Do it. Because when we listen to the people around us, we're saying to folk, I see you. I notice you. I'm hearing your story. It doesn't mean that you agree. It doesn't mean that you're like conspiring with them. It just means that you're willing to hear their story because you see that person as a beloved child of God. They're worthy of listening. You're willing to walk a mile in their shoes. Ask anything. Listen well. And it makes this next one real, really real. Number three, freely disagree. I want you to just like say that as loudly as you can. Freely disagree. Seriously, yes, freely disagree. Oh my goodness, brothers and sisters, this is what gets it. This is where the rubber hits the road. This is where we're going to be leaning in for the next three weeks. Freely disagree. Now, in the New Testament, I recognize that Jesus was passionately opinionated about a lot of stuff, about the poor, about the marginalized, about his disciples, about prayer, but also he was passionate about unity. Listen to what he had to say in John chapter 17. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am you. May they also be in us so that the world will believe that you have sent me. Did you hear it in the text? I mean, Jesus was praying for us. My prayer is not only for you, but those who will believe in me through your message. That's us, Ginghamsburg. We come from a long line of, of disciples who have prayed for the next generation. And we, let me tell you, we are ever growing in diversity. We don't all look the same, act the same. We're not the same age. We don't have the same likes. We don't vote the same. We are different. And different is oh so good. So brothers and sisters, I just want to encourage you that the kingdom of God is different. And not to like reject those differences, but to embrace them. Now, Sometimes we think to ourselves, it would be so much easier if everybody was the same. They all looked the same, voted the same. Like if everybody in our church just thought the same things, wouldn't that be much easier? But brothers and sisters, I don't think so. If we were all the same, I would question whether or not we're even the church. We are different and different is good. So turn to your neighbor and say, you are different and it's good. You're different and it's good. It is so good. So we freely disagree. Yeah. Ask anything. Listen well, freely disagree. 
and in love regardless. This is who we are, the Hillsburg Church. We're the people who love regardless. Love regardless, even when we don't feel like it, even when everything around us says, man, I'd rather not today, even when it would be easier to put someone in a box to categorize them, we got to love regardless. Pastor Rachel, are you serious? What about pe- when people are mean? Yes, when people are mean. What about when people are rude, especially when people are rude? Uh, Pastor Rachel, what about when people don't love me regardless? Brothers and sisters, that's when it counts the most. Love regardless when people don't love you regardless. I can't help but think about Dr. Martin Luther King and his nine violent uh, protests when he was part and of just cultivating the civil rights movement. There are a whole lot of people that didn't love him regardless. And yet this is what he had to say. He said, love is the only force capable of turning an enemy into a friend. Love is the only force capable of turning an enemy into a friend. And when we love regardless, people will know that we follow Jesus who said, love one another as I have loved you. You know what Jesus did? He gave his life for you and me and the whole wide world. And in turn, we are called to do the same, to lay our lives down, to surrender, to submit, to be the kind of people who embody Christ's love. Jesus didn't say, you know, get your argument ready. Make sure that you're right. Make sure you know uh, how, make sure you know everything in the Bible and God's mind and, and what the Bible says about everything. No, Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. And being right has nothing on being in relationship with God and loving your neighbor as yourself. Love regardless. I hope you enjoyed today's message. I've got two invitations for you before you go. First, subscribe to our podcast so it shows up in your feed every week. And if today's message inspired you and you'd like more people to hear it, you can give a financial gift through the Ginghamsburg app or online at ginghamsburg.org.